Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So the Republicans in the House said they're not interested in changing anything or making things any better, which is why they went with Kevin McCarthy to be their nominee for speaker. And... We'll see if their colleagues in the Senate are about to join them. 93 WIBC, it's the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Casey's out today. Ethan Hatcher from Saturday Night on The Circle in for Casey. Kevin's here. And Rick Scott, senator from Florida, has stepped up and said he is going to challenge Mitch McConnell to be, I guess, what will be the minority leader in the Senate. This is laughable, my man. It's not going to happen. The turtle's a killer. Really? Yeah. No, he's been in he's been in power since the 110th Congress took effect January 3rd of 2007. He's been one of the longest, if not the longest serving uh, Republican leader in his, either minority or majority leader con- leader continuously serving since they started counting the thing at the beginning of the 1900s. You know, it's interesting. We got a phone call yesterday from a guy urging people to call Mike Braun to urge him to Uh, fight McConnell's nomination and he said as we all know Todd Young can't tie his shoes without his daddy in this case his daddy being Mitch McConnell's permission so he's totally going to vote for McConnell and I I think it's fascinating that you say that because McConnell will either have to retire or pass away for the baton to change hands and what an indictment on the Republican Party that this guy so since 2007 they lost the Senate in 08 they didn't get it back until 14 they had it from 14 to I guess 20 so there is a really a one one window under McConnell's leadership that they have had the Senate and other than judges and a tax cut that was not offset by any sort of reduction in government spending, so it drove inflation, what did they really have to show for McConnell being in charge? And yet you're saying, well, it's a no-brainer. He's automatically going to get it. What an indictment of the Republicans. They've changed the whip five times. Um, a Republican whip since McConnell's been serving has been Trent Lott, John Kyle, uh, John Corman, and uh, John Thune since he took uh, uh, power in 2007. Lot, he was the, previ- he was the previous uh, lot, Republican lot, whip. A lot of Johns in there that really did, <laughs> don't seem to be helping it. It is the equivalent of it's, it's basically saying – you know, like like with the sports team, if you have the same general manager, which is basically what the leader is, and the results keep saying, well, we got a new coach, we got a new quarterback, we got to do this. Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you. You do got to give Connell uh, one thing in stick, sticking uh, the Supreme Court nomination to uh, Barack Obama. He had gonads of steel and a gamble that ultimately paid off big for the Republican Party and for Donald Trump as a whole. Now, I thought it was interesting that we had a big I thought that was going to backfire. A phone call yesterday about this guy urging people to call Mike Braun to not back McConnell and apparently he got the memo from us and other places because Braun came out yesterday and announced he is not backing Mitch McConnell for majority leader or minority leader. That was leader. the most robust conversation we've had as a caucus since I've been here in the Senate and I think Dagan it's clearly due to one reason uh, the election was so highly touted I never did quite get that feel but since I've been here 
I've said we've got to have a business plan for the country that we can articulate and lay out. Uh, clearly, independents broke the Democrats' way, and they will do that by default. If we're trying to give, tell people to vote for us, we'll tell you after election. I don't think that works. So we're, we had a robust conversation. Competition should be invited, and we will at least have a competitive vote to where Rick will make his case, the leader will make his case, and then we'll all vote. And by the way, all of us want to be more involved in the process going forward. We don't want 2,000-page bills dumped in our lap the day before that have all been concocted behind closed doors. But Senator, who are you backing? I'm going to back Rick. Uh, he and I came in together. Uh, we are outsiders that have actually run something. Uh, he was governor for two terms in Florida when the state was in the red financially. Uh, look what they've done down there uh, under his administration and now DeSantis's. So I think clearly that he's got a track record that addresses what I think resonates more broadly through the Republican Party. And unless we want to always have a Hail Mary attempt at winning a presidential election or these swing state Senate seats, we got to offer something different. What are we for? Ah, uh, look, didn't seem like there was a lot of reasoning behind that other than he wants something different, but I don't really care what it is. If you're against Mitch McConnell, then I'm for you. Am I reading too much into his support of Rick Scott as setting himself up for a gubernatorial campaign here in the state of Indiana? Because I feel like uh, anti-establishment uh, candidates are rewarded here in the state, sure. and by supporting Rick Scott over McConnell, he's kind of reasserting himself as the self-described outsider candidate. Well, look, we talked about this before. Mike Braun is great, despite being really a party insider. I mean, you think sure. about it. He, he has been in three elected offices now, three different elected offices in his life. He has been at the the the, uh, the very local, then the state, when he was in the state house, now the U.S. Senate. And that is not an outsider. He is, he is, you are an insider. If you are a state rep and then a U.S. Senator, you are a part of the equation. But Mike Braun is great as presenting himself as some sort of outsider. Now, Perception no. is reality, and as long as you're presenting himself that way, I think that sells with the voter. Well, and when you have infinite money, like Mike Braun does, where whatever office he runs for, he will be able to just throw money at that issue and paint whatever narrative he wants, and it will be hard, especially in a Republican primary, unless, say, a Mitch Daniels or uh, you know Trey Hollingsworth were to get in, who also has infinite money, for someone to refute that narrative. And that's how he won the U.S. Senate primary against Rokita and Messer was he had infinite money. He threw infinite money at the issue. He painted his narrative and he won. Good on him. You're not an outsider, though. Mike Braun is not an outsider. Mike Braun is a guy who has a state representative voted for the largest tax increase in Indiana state history, the gas tax and whatever it was, 40 plus other tax increases that the Republicans enacted in 2017, Holcomb's first year. Not an outsider, not a small government guy, not a limited government guy, not a low tax taxes guy but it don't matter what i say because he can go throughout the cross the state of indiana and i'm relegated to about 17 counties here in central indiana do you think he's correct with his appraisal of rick scott's uh, term as governor as being overly successful because no. i had to remind myself no. of who the hell rick scott was no of course not he's doing and it was such an astute observation he's doing exactly what you said this is a guy that's on his way out the door probably sometime i think he said in december he's going to make the announcement he's running for governor and absolutely has zero reason to vote for mcconnell because mcconnell's got nothing to do for him and they're 
there may be part of Mike Braun that actually wants change, right? Uh, McConnell, on the other hand, he appears not afraid at all. Go. Oh. I think it's pretty obvious we may or may not uh, be uh, voting tomorrow. Uh, but I think the outcome is pretty clear. I want to repeat again. Uh, I have the votes. Yeah. I will be elected. The only issue is whether we do it sooner or later. And I think we'll probably have another discussion about that uh, tomorrow. No, Mitch is right. You don't stay in power in politics from 2007 to 2021 without being a, a shark in the water. He's a killer, man. The tur- Do not underestimate the turtle. Now, I am waiting because all these people who just a week ago told me they had to vote for Todd Young and that they were going to hold him accountable afterwards. This is a great time for you to start. I would love to know from you people who told me that I was just so wrong and you were going to, you were going to, against your better judgment, vote for Young and you were going to hold him accountable and you weren't going to let him get away with it again for six years. What are you doing to sway Todd Young's vote? I guess we're going to find out how this accountability plan is going very quickly. And I just have a sneaking suspicion, Ethan, that it's not it's not going. It's not going well. I mean, you know, I just have a sneaking suspicion that Todd Young is going to vote for Mitch McConnell for a Republican leader. And then people will be complaining again. Well, he betrayed us. No, he did what Todd Young is going to do. And you betrayed yourself by voting for him. All right. When we come back, Joe Hawks had big announcement yesterday. Oh. He is running again. We'll dive into that coming up next on the Kendall and Casey show. Well, terrible news. Joe Hogsett is running for re-election. I know. It's 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob. Casey's out today. Ethan Hatcher in for Casey. Uh, We got a little audio here. Old boss Hogsett, despite being a guy who kind of ran on and with and is a huge proponent of term limits, apparently there's not two terms where the term should be limited because he let everybody know he's back in it to win it. And that is why tonight I stand before you to declare that with your help, I intend to seek a third and final term as the mayor of Indianapolis. Okay, so I'm going to say this uh, and take it for what it is. The Republican apparently has no chance, whoever it is. So whatever poor sap is gets conned into doing that good luck i mean uh, the, the most recent election approves the, the republicans might as well just pack it up as a party in marion county so the real election for mayor is going to be in the democrat primary and right now that is robin shackleford a state rep against hogsett and i gotta tell you i know nothing about robin shackleford but right now i'm team robin shackleford because anybody would be better than this guy i mean yeah and and also just the audacity of running on lowering crime rates as part of his stump speech was a gut punch and so a slap in the face to indianapolis voters because you can say that there's a 14 percent decrease in overall violent crime rates that's only because we've had record highs yes it's ridiculous it's, it's it's the same argument biden makes about the deficit when he says well i reduce the deficit but you're still adding trillions of dollars to the national debt, and just because you're off the record high of the national deficit, the yearly deficit, doesn't mean you're doing anything good. You're not doing anything noble. We're still more than 200 homicides every year, and that seems to be the new normal under the Hogshead administration. Is it a bad approach that I'm taking to say a woman who I know nothing about, Robin Shackelford, that I am 
on her team. I mean, I, I don't. Not at all. Same I, rationale with me and uh, my support for Angela Grabowski because anything has got to be better than Andre Carson, and I was certainly Team Grabowski. Okay, I just because she could be a total communist lunatic, which maybe <laughs> she is. I don't know, but I mean, here here is what I would say about being the mayor of a city like Indianapolis when there is zero viable opposition for the Republicans. Here's a question for you. If she turns out to be the next Lori Lightfoot, is that a step up or down from Hogsett? Well, that, that's a great question. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's probably a push. And I guess what I would say is, in terms of a mayor of a city like Indianapolis where the Republicans are no longer a viable opposition, and I am in no ways uh, saying that uh, uh, Ms. Shackelford is out courting nor seeking nor wanting uh, my vote, and in fact, I anticipate an announcement later today of her denouncing uh, my support, um, but... If you have a mayor who would at least say, I'm going to be serious about violent crime, I take everything else out of the equation that I disagree with. If you have a mayor who will at least be serious about getting violence and the safety of the city under control, then that is a win for all of us. And Joe Hogsett will not do that, so maybe she will. Would it make a difference if Republicans ran a liberal under their ticket? I'm thinking like East Coast Republican. Yeah. Are they married to the no. party or are they married to the policy? No, 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 no. Because you, th- you think about think about who the Republicans have ran for their key offices in Marion County the last two election cycles. So we just got through with Cindy Carrasco, who on paper is an A-plus yeah. candidate, was pretty well-funded by Republican standards. It was a time where it was, you know, it, it, if there was Mass anybody who's going to lose, right, it would have been Ryan Mears, not even close. Go before that. Jim Merritt had been in the Indiana Senate for 30 years, had built all sorts of relationships, was universally liked, is liked by even, you know, Democrats. Nothing controversial about him. Nobody's going to throw Jim Merritt out as, you know, a radical right wing Republican. He got what? 25%, 30% of the vote. I forget what it was. The Republican Party's done here. They're done. Pack it up. So in, if we operate from that perspective, then anybody, I guess other than Joe Hogsett, is worth taking a chance on because maybe, maybe she will at least say, I am a leftist, but I am serious about the safety of my family in this community, and I will try to get the violence under control. It's, I mean, the state of Indianapolis is unacceptable, and any change in direction is something you got to bank on, is hopefully being an improvement. Want to play, by the way, it's the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Uh, Ethan Hatcher is in for Casey today. Kevin's here. Want to play you a piece of audio yesterday. Uh, the director of the FBI was in front of, I believe it was the U.S. House of Representatives. This is some really spicy audio here. Oh, this is unbelievable. And so everybody knows, with the firing synapse in their brain, the FBI <laughs> was involved in some capacity in January 6th. They were, by that I mean they were on the ground, they were there, and they it appears they were doing nothing. Yeah, from the implications of this audio, it seems that they knew a riot was about to happen and did nothing to stop it, which, (laughs) what are you there for then? Right, so we all knew this, and then when you couple this with their involvement in this plot to kidnap kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, where it appears they were the instigators and pushers of this, Okay, just listen to this this question FBI Director Christopher Wray gets about the FBI's involvement in January 6th, and you tell me if the FBI was not involved in January 6th after hearing this. Does, it, does the FBI have confidential human sources? Uh, did the FBI have confidential human sources embedded within the January 6th protesters? on January 6th of 2021. 
Well, Congressman, as I'm sure you can appreciate, I have to be very careful about what I can say about when Even we are, now, because that's what you I, told us two I years finish? ago. May I finish? Uh, about when we do and do not, and where we have and have not used confidential human sources. Uh, but to the extent that there's a suggestion, for example, that the FBI's confidential human sources or FBI employees in some way instigated or orchestrated January 6th, that's categorically false. Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being open? Again, I had to be very careful. It should be a no. Can you not tell the American people, no, we did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen's time has expired. You should not read anything yeah. into my decision uh, not to share information. <laughs> confidential human Gentlemen's time has expired. Okay, Ethan, let's do a little exercise here, okay? You're going to be, I'm going to be uh, me, and you're going to be the congressman questioning me, okay? Hey, Ethan, ask me if I was there on January 6th. Uh, Rob Kendall, was the FBI involved in any capacity in the riots of January 6th? Well, I have no idea about the FBI being involved, but yes, they were. But go ahead and ask Rob Kendall, were you there on January oh, 6th? Oh, were you Rob Kendall? Uh, no, I was not. Oh, there we now, go. Now, follow-up question. Rob Kendall, were you dressed as a Trump supporter <laughs> at the Capitol on January 6th? Go ahead and ask that one for me. Rob Kendall, were you dressed as a supporter of Donald Trump on the January 6th? No, I was not. I was oh, here. I was here go. in Indianapolis. Uh, thank you. See how easy that was. This is the point, though. The FBI, the federal government, is now regularly weaponizing itself at a much greater level than it used to. I mean, you think about how, like, this has been going on for years and years and years. And this is what people need to realize. Like Ruby Ridge, Randy Weaver. This was there was another example of the FBI weaponizing itself, involving itself, seeing to it that a crime was committed where there was previously no crime. This has been going on for years and years and years. And now it is happening on a, happening on a grandiose scale in which the FBI is, in many cases, creating crimes. It's exactly what happened in Michigan with Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah, it's disgusting. But he said we shouldn't read anything into his yes. uh, refusal to re- uh, respond. Yeah. So, yeah. The answer is no. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. More on the way. It's Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIB. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good news, Ethan. Good news. The border is secure. Oh, problem solved. Good news. Excellent. That is, at least according to yesterday, Alejandro (laughs) Mayorkas, the uh, head of the Department of Homeland Security, he was uh, testifying in front of Congress, and despite the fact that there have been record numbers of illegal border crossings uh, in the last fiscal year, two million plus, well, it's secure. Take a listen. Do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? Yes, and we are working day in and day out to enhance its security, Congressman. Isn't one of the big problems, and based on who we elect, and I say we not only as a state or we as central Indiana or we as a nation, all of them, when we elect people who look right at us and lie— Right. So let's take Fetterman for an example. Just take away the fact that the guy's a loon and can't string three words together a bunch of the time. He his answer. Remember the answer on fracking where I've always supported fracking. Uh, Always. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the guy, the guy clearly lied on statewide television and the entire nation saw it. And what did the voters say? 
that seems fine. We've always been at war with Oceania. It's, it's okay. It's no big deal. When you keep electing people who look at you in the eye and lie to you, why would the appointed people not also look at the look you in the eye and lie to you? There's never any punishment for lying. It's disappointing. It's disheartening. It's disgusting. Even Obama administration officials are walking out of the woodwork. And, you know, Obama, not a famous enforcer of border policy, but to say, whoa, these are unlevel, unprecedented levels of illegal border crossings and not what any up until this point, any liberal had even envisioned. And Biden administration just walking away with it. But again, seemingly the voting base is willing to tolerate it because there was not a strong repudiation of this across the midterms. Speaking of lying, Ronald Klain, he is the uh, chief of staff, uh, yes, for Biden and Indiana native. And he sold a whopper of a lie uh, the other day on television. Ethan, I'm going to play this audio for you. You are a student of history. I'm going to play you the audio and see if you it's like, where's Waldo? Can you spot the whopper of a lie? Go ahead. I mean, obviously, it's enormously significant. Historically, this is something no president's done since John F. Kennedy to hold uh, Senate seats and potentially even go up one Senate seat pending the outcome in Georgia to keep control of the Senate, which will indeed allow the president to uh, pass legislation in the Senate and, of course, get people confirmed. And in some ways, perhaps most for historical purposes. Ethan, can you spot the incredible lie told by the president's chief of staff? That's not true. This is not the first time the Democrats or the party in power has retained control in the Senate in a midterm election. That's just not, not are, the first time. Are you aware of the last time this happened? The previous midterm <laughs> when the Republicans added seats in the U.S. Senate. So we are either led to believe that the chief of staff for the president is either so uninformed that he doesn't know who lives in politics, doesn't know what happened four years ago, or he's a pathological liar. I'm going with the second. He's building on the expectation, or he's building on the expectations that Democrats overcame. And in politics, that is the real game. Can you exceed and outperform expectations? The expectation was set that Democrats were going to lose and lose big. So anything that uh, goes against that is unfortunately a victory for them and something that they can spin, which is what's attempted to be doing there. And there's never any punishment for any of it. Again, and I, Casey and I talk about this all the time. I have no idea why we accept far less from our elected people who we pay their salaries, who take our money, who run our government, who decide what we can and cannot do, why we accept such a lower bar from them than we do the person working at the White Castle drive-thru. Like if someone gets a bad order at the White Castle drive-thru, I know within seven minutes they will be on the Townie Chatter Facebook page telling people how awful the White Castle drive-thru was. But with the government, it's just like, that's fine. No, that's okay. Yeah, go go vote for those people. They're great. Yeah, I would like to see more of that uh, indignation where sometimes people s- literally are screaming at the top of their lungs at the staff th- that's working the drive-through, but then they give a pass to their elected officials. Disgusting. I'd like to see some of that passion uh, expended there. It is the Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. I'm Rob Kendall. K- uh, Casey's out today. Ethan Hatcher from Saturday Night on The Circle in for Casey today. Kevin's here. Uh, real quick before we get to a break, I saw Ronna McDaniel is going to run again for a another term as the RNC chair. 
and she has been the RNC chair since 20, what, 2018. I mean, the election cycles, 2018, 2020, 2022. Every election cycle. Now, yes, I guess technically the Republicans did add seats in the Senate in 2018. That was because they had a couple of super red states like Indiana that just happened to have Democrat senators. So it wasn't really anything the Republicans did. It was just the state corrected itself to where it normally is. Took a bloodbath in the House. Lost in 2020, lost in 2022. Yes, I guess technically they're going to win the House, but lost by every standard normally set forth for midterms. And yet here she is again with probably a puncher's chance or a better than puncher's chance of leading the Republican Party into another election season. And when you look at McCarthy likely becoming speaker, McConnell likely saying minority leader, Ronna McDaniel maybe staying, you know, head of the Republican, uh, the RNC. Nothing's changed. Yeah, this should be concerning for anyone who runs Republicans to win, especially because there's not a change in leadership in underperforming elections coming into 2024. That's extremely concerning. And I say this because this is what we were saying. And I lump you in this because I know your your show has many of the same political views that we do here, even if we go about it a little differently. We were saying this for months leading up to the election. The Republicans have given me no reason to vote for Republicans. Well, you must be in the fold. You must uh, You must get on board. It's better than a Democrat. We'll, we'll elect them and then we'll hold them accountable. No, you're not because you never do. Yeah. And yet here you are right out of the gate. What is the response to response to? Well, we'll hold them accountable. It's the same people who keep doing the same stuff who by and large keep losing who've been there for multiple years and if you keep electing the same people i mean it's the definition of insanity when you keep doing the same thing over and over expecting different results then that's insane all right let's take a break when we come back we're gonna have hammer join us again because we didn't have time to get into this last hour when he was here because he had a little trouble getting to work today (laughs) they had a hammer and nigel had a fascinating interview with Indiana State Superintendent, the head of Indiana State Police, Doug Carter, talking about uh, about Delphi and a couple other issues. I thought it was very interesting. We're going to play some of those audio clips for you and have Hammer break it down for us. It's Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So yesterday, the number one afternoon show in the city of Indianapolis had the state police superintendent, Doug Carter, on to talk Delphi. And I wanted to bring Hammer back in because we, due to your terrible driving, didn't have enough time to spin the whole... My terrible driving. (laughs) Come on now. I'm going to write a book one day. Nobody can drive but me. (laughs) We didn't get as much time as I wanted to talk about this, so you'd be kind enough to come back and and kind of walk us through this interview. You've got some audio clips from it, so I'm just going to turn this over to you and kind of lead us through these clips because it was an interesting interview. So... I've been pretty critical of the superintendent and these press conferences in Delphi. Not the most recent one where they actually announced that there was arrest made, but so many of these, I thought, were just press conferences to have them for the sake of having them. To see himself on TV is the way it came off. So this is what I asked the superintendent yesterday. I have been pretty critical of some of these press conferences. You touched on it earlier. You understand why the press would be a little upset. 
my beef with a lot of these early on was that it felt like these things were happening just for the sake of happening. There was no new information. And the reason I felt that way, I was trying to think if I was the parent of one of these young ladies, I feel like I would be getting my hopes up every time one of these press conferences would happen, but then they would happen and there's no new information. And then it would feel like sometimes there'd be some theatrics, like some cliches being thrown out there, which again, felt like it was getting the hopes up of these families. Does that make sense to you? Um, Yes, I I can see your perspective, but that wasn't the case. Uh, There was one press conference I can remember specifically that, that Mike and Becky were not aware of. And I regret that. I, I again, I, I take responsibility here. And if there's going to be criticism, I want it to come to me. But <clears throat> over time, the, the, it, it was important that we kept talking about this. Right. And Henry, it, 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 had we not done that, we wouldn't have been able to to say to the media, "Thank you for keeping it front and center." So, and the, I don't for think tips, there was asking for tips, tips, and then hot, you know. information. Yeah. You know, we everybody expects this to everything to be solved through science today, and that's just not, always not the case. It's a combination of, of, of all of it. So, the the uh, the human in, impact has been really really fascinating to watch. And again, we didn't have a playbook here, and we did the very best we could for over five and a half years. And um, again, we look back on on, on some of the events and the strategies. Uh, I'll look forward to debating those. So, Rob, Ethan, I see each of you kind of making some facial features during that soundbite. Well, okay, first of all, there's two things. One, he didn't have a playbook. That's what you do is solve crimes. Like, this was a murder, right? There is a playbook to solve a murder. What do you mean? You don't you don't have a playbook for that. That's what you do. You're the head of the state police. I guess the other thing, too, is there were a million different ways you could have kept the story alive and kept it out there without, you know, because it's always him in uniform. He's always the face. He's always the one talking. And for him to act like, well, it never really dawned on me that it was coming off as it was all about me. I don't buy that for a second. I also think it's a little bit presumptuous to say that he was keeping it front and center with the media by making these press conferences because it was the true crime crime community that kept this yeah, alive for a long time. Yeah, true the com- crime community. And listen, I'm going to do a victory lap. We have talked yep. about this story from the moment we were given the keys to the afternoon show. Yep. That was like the first big story after Nigel and I were handed the afternoon show, and we have been following this from day one. So another big question we asked is, this guy in custody, Richard Allen, is he the only one? Is the guy in custody, Richard Allen, is he the only person being looked at in this investigation? Uh, uh, right now, he's the one. The, he's the one that's been fa- that that has that's now facing murder charges. So, again, we are not going to stop looking at other people until this is completely done, and we have nothing left to do. So, seventy thousand plus tips. Hundreds have come in since two weeks ago, um, week ago Monday, I guess. And we'll continue to receive those tips and look into them, as you would expect. And we kind of pushed back on that. We asked about Keegan Klein, yeah. and there wasn't a lot he could answer because it's an ongoing investigation. Yeah, that bo- does that bother you, though, that it's like something triggered you to arrest this guy unless you're just throwing something out of the wall at this point point, see it, if it sticks? Because this guy lived in the community. People knew who he was. He looks just like the original drawing, which Carter told us, well, don't, you know, don't look at that one now, even though you then said, I guess, this guy looks just like him. What Don't we have a right to know as a society how this guy lived in this community for all these years, the last five years he's been right under your nose? What got you enough to get him? Because apparently the Keegan Klein information, at least the search, uh, the search near the water, 
gave him nothing. So what was it? And you can go back and listen to the podcast of this full interview. It was two segments on our program yesterday, uh, speaking with the superintendent. And we did follow up on that because there are reports from Wish TV and other news outlets that this guy, Richard Allen, had been on police radar for a long time. Whether he spoke to police early on in the investigation, you know, trying to pull that old trick of, hey, I'm here to help and not, you know, it's not me. Uh, But we asked that. And again, we couldn't get a lot of information. Um, One of the questions I've always had is why do we not know the cause of death of these ladies? Not because we're some sort of morbid monsters, but I think if you know somebody was either stabbed to death or shot or whatever, maybe somebody could remember, did I sell somebody the gun? Did I sell somebody the knife? Uh, We asked him about that. Because the individual or individuals that did it, um, only they, they know what they did. Has that slowed down the investigation? Because I think the public, with all of their tips, has been a big help in this. Wouldn't it make sense to have the public looking for the possible weapon? I don't think at this point it would. I, and again, I, uh, functionally, I understand the question, Hammer. I really do understand it. And we're going to look back on this and, and probably realize, dang it, I wish we'd have done A, B, and C rather than D and E. <laughs> but now's not the time for us to, to, change, to change that strategy and talk about everything that we know. I don't feel like we know anything as a society. Do, I mean, am I am I wrong? And look, I totally admit I'm 100% biased against this guy. I think he's a total stooge who serves at the behest of Holcomb. And I know what serve at the behest of guy is because I used to be one. And I know if you're at the behest of Holcomb, <laughs> I, I, you're not somebody I want to hang out with. So I, I get that I'm totally biased against any time this guy opens his mouth. But am I wrong to think I feel like as a taxpayer, as and, and I'm an informed citizen, I know basically nothing about this. And... It's not that we're entitled to know something. If the information is going to hamper the investigation, all right, fine, I'm here for that. But it feels like not knowing the cause of death is kind of hampering the investigation. If you were asking the public for tips for five years, it would be beneficial, I think, to know, are we looking for a knife? Are we looking for a gun? It feels like, based on the information that is being drip-fed to us over time, that this is not the actions of a lone wolf, but rather a network of two, possibly three people. So I think the drip feed is mostly resultant from that. And when we finally have the answers, as we get closer, because this arrest of Richard Allen is is something monumental, when there's essentially been nothing since 2017, um, I I think we're going to look back on it and understand more why they've been hesitant to drop that information, because they don't want to alert the other individuals whose trail they're on. And And if they were on the trail of Richard Allen, probably there's one or two other names that we're not privy to yet. You are right in that fact that what we know about these creepers, right, these pedophiles, they seem to work in networks, whether it's Epstein's little pedophile island network. We always hear about these raids and stings of all these creepers being arrested. It's a gross little community. So there probably is more than one person involved. All right, that's fine. Uh, But the other question I have is, what about this affidavit? So this guy is in custody. He's charged with this, uh, but we don't know how we got here. We don't know what they have. Uh, he basically had to beg and ask for a public attorney. On the 22nd of November, we're supposed to find out one way or the other if this affidavit is going to be redacted and released to the public. We asked about it. If this 
affidavit is released and there's a hearing coming up, I believe on the 22nd, that's got some information that led to the arrest of Richard Allen, the suspect. If that is allowed to be given to the public, is that going to compromise the investigation in any way? No, I don't think at this point it will. And I think it'll answer a lot of the questions hmm. uh, that, that, that people have. And uh, Will we find out how we got to this point with that will. information? Yeah, it'll be much clearer. Then, then why are they fighting it? If he's telling you that it's not going to compromise the investigation and it will let us know as a society who you have begged and pleaded for our help, and you said, you know, we have clearly responded, we as a society, 70,000 tips, why would you be fighting this if the, sta- if the state police, the head of state police is saying, no, it won't impede the investigation? That's a good question. And again, we had two segments with him yesterday, and it was a fascinating chat. Um, Ultimately, the superintendent and I are on the same page in that we want resolution. Yeah. We want this bad guy off the street or bad guys, plural, off the street, whoever it is. I just have questions about some of the steps along the way. And to his credit, he came in here. Yeah, he absolutely. didn't call in. He sat right here uh, where I'm sitting now. Rob, I was sitting in that seat yesterday. Look me in the eye. We had an adult conversation. And if the superintendent, yep. Carter, can come in and do that, there's no reason yep. that Joe Hogsett or Ryan Mears yep. or anybody else can't do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say that, that he 100% deserves credit for coming in here and answering the questions. I thought it was uh, a great interview. Uh, I think you guys got more out of it than many other people have gotten out of it. And like you said, you guys, you and Nige have, have been on this from the beginning. So thanks for staying with it and 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 doing all the work on that. Yeah, I still think there's a lot of information to come out about this thing. And the 22nd is the next biggest date on that calendar. That's when the judge is going to decide whether or not we get more information from that affidavit. I've got to go to the Brownsburg Town Council meeting tonight. They're trying to give themselves $5,000 raises. Oh, please make a scene. Yeah, I think I will. Please live stream it. (laughs) Yeah, I think I will. What's coming up for you guys this afternoon? (laughs) Uh, Francis Martell, world news editor from Breitbart, will join us. We'll talk about how full of crap Ukraine is about this missile story. I love it. Thank you, Hammer. Great job, Ethan. Great job, Kevin. Stick around. Tony Katz coming up next. Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC.